chapter 24. Verse 3. And I'm just going to give you a word that God placed in my spirit this morning. I, I haven't slept, to be honest with you. I've been, for the last 72, 84 hours, I've been up, you know, attending my wife and making sure that things are going the way they're supposed to be going. But as a high priest, it is also my responsibility and commitment to bring you the word and also instruct you in the ways of God. Amen. So let us open our Bibles into the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 3. We're going to be reading from 3 through verse 13, amen. And when you have it, say amen. 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 Now, as he was said in the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of ages. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Underline that word, deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Underline that word, deceive again. And you will hear rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things shall come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be a famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. And all of these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will be delivered upon to tribulation to be killed. And they will be hated because they will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another. And will hate one another. Verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Underline the word deceive again. And because of the lawlessness and abundance, in abundance, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures, underline the word endurance, to the end shall be saved. Amen. Holy Spirit, give me the strength that I need. The courage to feed your people. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to guide us today into all truth. Knock down the blinders and allow us to see, Father dear God, the way that you, Father dear God, want us to see. Father, we ask you to bless today's word, even though it's blessed, but bless us, Lord. And we thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. My responsibility as a pastor is to lead the church into the ways of God. My job is not to entertain you. My job is not to amuse you. My job is not to impress you. It's not a job, it's a calling. My calling is to guide you in the ways of God. And today, we're going to learn about a series of events that are to take place. And the reason why this is because there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of chaos with this coronavirus that's going on. A lot of people are panicking. And it's normal to a certain extent, but we never expected for the world to be paralyzed like it is today. I was reading an article yesterday 
And the article was based on the end of times. And the writer was saying that 87% of believers are illiterate to the Bible. When you hear the word illiterate, you think they cannot read. But what the writer was trying to say that 87% of people that go to church don't have a clue when it comes to the word of God. Now, I don't know if those numbers are true. I don't know where they're getting those numbers from. Uh, I mean, that's a high rate. That is very high. I, I would have thought 50, 40, but 80%, that's a lot. So, as a pastor, my responsibility is not to be critical, is not to criticize. My responsibility is to educate the people of God in understanding the Word of God. And the only way that I can get you there is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can guide you. So, with that being said, many of you know that this plague or this disease is affecting many in more ways than one. They are limiting the gatherings between 250. Thank God that this church only holds 127, so we were able to have service today. But the church, there are many churches that today are not open, and they're going to be hearing this word through the internet, so we thank God for Facebook and all these medias that they could get these words. But my goal today is to take you through a series of events so that you yourself may not fall into the deception of the enemy. Amen? Jesus said three times, let no one deceive you. Now notice how Jesus says, many will come in my name. Many will proclaim. And some of you, at times, including myself, think that the enemy is outside the church. No, the enemy is in the church. The enemy doesn't need to be out there. He already has the world. The world is his. You look at today's society, you can see anarchy written all over every wall. The writings are on the wall. The enemy doesn't need to be in a strip club. He doesn't need to be in a bar. He doesn't need to be in a club. He already got that. Where he needs to be is in the house of God, tormenting and deceiving God's believers. Now, one of the things that Jesus said, many will come in my name and deceive many. Now, understand this teaching. Understand what Jesus Christ was trying to say. You as a believer, it is your responsibility to test every spirit. Amen. Not every spirit that says Jesus has Jesus. Not every song, not every church that proclaims the name of Jesus has Jesus. The only way that you can tell is by the presence. What presence is there? We need to discern and become very... Uh, 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 how would I describe this? When, I, I don't know, have you ever been to a place that you couldn't figure out what was going on, but you knew there was something there that wasn't right? And some of you have lived a long time, and you, 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 you're, able to dis, you're able to discern to a certain degree. But in the spiritual realm, it can be a little confusing, because if you're not praying, if you're not seeking God in spirit and truth, anyone that comes to you in the name of God can easily pursue you and deceive you and mislead you. And Jesus was more worried about what was going on in the church than in the world. Notice how he says these things must come to pass. So in other words, there's a prophecy. There's going to be famine. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. 
That's already going to happen. Nothing's going to change that. But his concern was his people. He said, many will be the seed. Now, if the letters on your Bible aren't read, that's, that's Jesus speaking. If, if you didn't know that. And if he uses the word deceive more than three times, it's because he means it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our responsibility is to educate ourselves in the spirit of the Lord by allowing the spirit of God to maintain us and keep us. And how do we do that? By surrendering ourselves to him. And that's very hard because to a certain degree, we're very prideful. Amen? We use any excuse to make a reason, but in reality, there's no excuse that can justify us from the works that God has called us to do. Meaning, in other words, when I was crying this morning, and I didn't want to come, all I kept thinking was about Jesus Christ and how God gave Him for us. So I could give up my child too. It is, it is not easy. It is painful. I didn't want to go through this, but I understood that at one point in my life, I was going to be challenged by my faith and by the Word of God. And here I am standing today, leading you as a congregation. It is my responsibility and duty to make sure that you guys are guided the right way. So we already know what's going to take place. So when the coronavirus hit, it wasn't new to me. It was only timing. Because the Bible says that pestilence are to come before the coming of Jesus Christ. Before Jesus comes, the world is going to be turned upside down. So this shouldn't be new to many of you that are following Jesus Christ. Now when times like that come, you shouldn't have the attitude, I told you so. Your attitude should be, I should be saving souls. Because God's going to call me responsible. And we're going to be held accountable for what has been given to us. Too much has given, much is required. So if I consider myself the spiritual mayor of Springfield, like God has called me, then it's my responsibility to get in this pulpit and bring the work, even though my life right now is in pain and sorrow. Are you hearing me? Many people use excuses, oh, I don't want to go to church because my parents are not working, or, or these are not going out that right. Let me tell you something. You're going to eat your words one day if you don't understand what sorrow and pain is all about. And sorrow and pain cannot be explained because that's something that you experience as an individual that no tear and, 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 and no cry could ever describe what you feel only you and God. Amen? But God has called us, so we are aware of prophecy. So what's going to happen? There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be famine. Food shortage. Diseases. Cornfields completely gone. Global warming is going to cause that. So all of these things shouldn't catch us by surprise. Meanwhile, our responsibility is to hold our head up high and say, God, use me because I know that you're coming soon. Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to change in order to talk to other people? What is it, God, that you have for me? And you're going to see that that's going to enable you, and, and enable you to become the person that God has called you to be. Now, you can go 
to, to what we have here, what, one of our courses that we give out is uh, Disciple Leadership Advancement and things like that, and, and you can go to school and, and, and get an education in the Bible and the doctrine, you can do all that, you can pursue all that. None of that will matter when God calls you. We don't intimidate God with titles. We don't impress Him with the houses and the cars that we drive or the jobs that we have. God is not impressed because He created all things and He gave it to you. God is moved when a humble heart says, everything that I have is yours. Use me, Father. Use me, God, as you please. And we're able to put aside our differences and come together the common cause and win lives. How many lives right now are calling your name for you to bring to the word? Now, look at this situation. Many people today are panicking about the coronavirus. And, a, and one friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, I talked to him yesterday. I had a lot of people call me and stop by the house, you know, during this time of grief and pain. And, and, and one of them said to me, oh, Pastor Jose, I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait till God comes. I can't wait. It was in the tip of my tongue. But I wasn't in the mood. When I'm not in the mood, I keep my words. And I don't I don't curse or nothing. I don't I don't want you to get that mindset. But I could get a little fussy and I'll you'll have your coat on before you even say goodbye. And I'll be escorting you to my house. And I said to myself, How selfish can you be? You want everything to end when there's still people out there that have not yet been touched by Jesus Christ. You see, you see how deceitful we have become? That we're asking God to come when your mom ain't saved, your brother ain't saved. The Bible says that when he comes for his church, guess who's going to be with the Antichrist? Do you want your family, your friends, your co-workers to experience hell on earth just because you're saved? No. But I kept that to myself because I didn't want to get into a biblical, theological argument. I'm not, the, I'm not the one. Yesterday was in my day. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? But this is the narrative of people's mindset. Why God is sending out red flags. And God is sending out signs in more ways than one. The church is sleeping saying, oh, I can't wait. No, it is time for you to preach, to bring your brother in Christ to the submission of Jesus Christ. He said to them, God loves you. And he wants to save you from what's coming to the earth. You see many Christians today panicking the same way the world's panicking. When I went to the store the other day, I saw all these people grabbing toilet paper. They were grabbing everything. You know what? I grabbed what I needed, but I wasn't going to bum rush nobody. Because I'm, I'm not. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I use common sense. Don't get me wrong. But I'm covered by the blood yeah, of Jesus Christ. And the gentleman was surprised at the cash register. He told me, do you want to get some hand sanitizer? Are you sure you want to grab some toilet paper? I said, no, I don't need none of that. I'm good. I don't, I don't know what the pandemonium panic. But pandemonium and panic normally happens when an individual or a group of people don't even understand what's going on. That's the only way. And when we don't know what's going on, we fall. 
to the trenches of the enemy. And we become vulnerable. People touching the 401k. People getting rid of anything like it was the end of the world. No, this is the beginning of sorrows. That's what the Bible says. The beginning of sorrows. So if some of you are thinking that this is it, no, there's more coming. We don't know how it's going to come, but it's coming. My responsibility is not to watch out what's coming. My responsibility is to do what God called me to do. He got it under control. He already said, I can't stop tribulation from coming. I can't stop kingdom. I can't preach world peace. It's not going to happen. From Genesis 1, 1 to the last book of Revelation, it is there. It is the manual book of the Bible that gives you life for you to live life accordingly to what God has established. I'm not going to argue with God. God give, God bless. Bless be the name of the Lord. Are you hearing me, church? But what I want to focus today on is the word deceived. Now, many of you say amen to everything you hear, not knowing that you're coming into agreement with something that might not be approved by God. There are many pastors preaching grace. Grace is okay to a certain extent when grace takes you to disgrace. Many people say, oh, I'm covered. God got me. And they go to the clubs and they test God. By doing things they're not supposed to be doing. And many preachers are saying, that's okay, God understand. No, that could be your last day. Don't test God. Don't fight with God. Obey God. And many of these ministers are making multi-millions of dollars based on the ignorance of their followers at their expense. They sing more than what they do when it comes down to the word. Less presence, more things to entertain. They even programmed the services. We're going to start at 12 o'clock. We're going to sing for an hour. We're going to preach for 30 minutes. And then we're going to move the next crowd. Where is the presence of God? Where is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? And people are deceived because they come in clockworks. I get the word. I, I feel a little bit. I get goosebumps. And then I go home and I cuss again. What makes you think that you are not running out of time. Stop abusing time. Stop abusing time. Hear me when I tell you this. Stop abusing time. Time is very precious. Amen? So Jesus says, many will be deceived and you will be deceived. In in other words, he's making this a personal thing. Now understand this. The only way that you can be deceived is by you not knowing. So Jesus is building a case on the believer. He's saying, what's going to sustain you, it's me. But if you're not in relationship with me, then you're not going to know me. That means you're going to be vulnerable to anything, even those that say they are of me. Now, I have experienced that through the last eight years of, of being a pastor. I have said that with some pastors, that you applaud and you say amen, that you have no idea that I know and they know that they're a snake. But you can't tell them that. Because you don't know about it. I have told you that. I had a pastor sit with me about a year ago. He wanted to shake my hand. I said, I don't shake hands with snakes. And he goes, oh, you want to know me? I said, you don't need me. Don't scare me. He can't stand me. But people follow. Why? 
because he gives them what they want to hear. The Bible says that in the last time people will reject sound doctrine and their ears will be tickled. You see more motivation coming out of the altar than correction. Motivation is not going to get you to the place where God wants you to be. Because let me tell you something. When I was coming up, I had a mentor. When I was a youth, who was my youth minister. And I did something. And he looked at me in my eyes after I ex uh, expressed what I was going through. And he says, I hear you, but you know what? You dirty the waters, now you're going to have to drink them. It cut me, but it taught me a lesson. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you do, because what comes around, goes around. He didn't say, oh, Jose, I understand. You know, you go, no, he didn't patch me in the back. He, he didn't, no, he corrected me, and I thank God for him correcting me. Because had he not corrected me, I would have used that to manipulate situations. No, you got to own up when you mess up. I'm not saying for you to be stuck holding on to that to that bondage, but at the same time, hey, I messed up, I, I, I confess it, I'm turning away from it. But if I tell you, oh no, God's going to bless you, God's going to love you all the time, you're going to become oblivious to the sound of doctrine. You're going to become oblivious to the presence of God that you are yourself as an individual ain't going to know right from wrong. And that's deception. And a lot of these ministries are doing that. So Jesus goes on in verse 6 and he says, I, I'm sorry, in, in verse 5 he says, uh, Matthew chapter 24 verse 5, he says, Many will come in my name, and I am Christ, and will deceive many. Many mean more than one. Okay? So understand this, not everything that you hear comes from the throne of God. And how do you examine that when you have a relationship with God? Now understand this is very simple. All you have to say is, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Live, Father dear God, in me. Allow me to see the things that you have in store for me. In other words, submission. If you have an attitude of submission, God is going to take you to a place that you never imagined. Now you can study the Bible, you, you can pray, but if you're not in relationship with the Holy Spirit, all of these things will sooner or later overcome you and overtake you. So one of the things, every time I'm going to do a business deal, every time that I'm going to get into a partnership, even covenant relationship, when people pass up to the front, what do you want me to pray for? Oh, I don't know, Pastor, just pray. No, I want to know because I don't want to be held accountable because you want me to pray for something that's against God's will. Either you speak up or you don't, but I ain't praying for you if you ain't telling me. And sometimes we pray for people and we have no idea that we're praying against God's will. I remember a lady, she manipulated, she tried to manipulate me with her tears. She said, you know, I need you to pray for me because my mother needs to live more years than now. And I said, how old is your mother? She was like, 98. I said, God rest her soul. No. How dare you? And, and, I, and I said, the lady has lived a long life. No, but God knows I need her. I need her. She was pleading. And I said, listen, I'm going to pray for the will of God. She said, I don't want you to pray for the will of God. I want you to pray that my mother lives a long life. And I said, I'm sorry, but I can't pray for that. She said, okay, just pray then. I said, Lord, then you will be done. That's it? When she left, 
The Holy Spirit. I, I went into the presence of God and said, God, what? What was this all about? And God said to me, the reason why she wants you to pray that I extend her mother's life is because she lives with her mother. And she's 60 something years old. She's never been on her own. She has no job. She's still drinking mother's milk. You see how people manipulate you? It's time to grow up. I have to prepare my day, myself for the day that God's going to call me. I have to prepare my, my, myself when I get the phone call that my mother might pass away or any of my relatives. I always have to keep that in the back of my mind because I know that we're not going to live on this earth for eternity. Our spirits will live in the eternal life, but not on this earth. You, you get what I'm saying? It hurts, it's painful, but it's a reality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So people will deceive you and come to you, asking you for something, and you yourself are become accomplice of that person against God's will. You hear people all the time through the TV, oh, extend your hand, let us pray in agreement. They don't know, the preacher don't know who's, who's he coming in agreement with. You need a wife, come on, we'll come in agreement. You need a house, and, we, and some of the people that are extending their hand are married. This is serious. And I learned this. And this has helped me become the man that I am today. And I still got a long way to go. But I thank God for His Word that purifies me, that edifies me, that cleanses me, that brings me to the reality of His will. His will sometimes is not the best. At the moment, it might not feel the best way. And better to let, let me fix that. It might not feel good. But it's for your own good. Does that make any sense? You've got a round of applause, church. So then again, Jesus says, in, in verse 10, He says, And then many will be offended and betray one another, and they will hate one another. Now understand this. Underline that word in verse 10. Offended. We are living in those times. People are easily offended over anything. Over anything. You don't put a like on their post. They're offended. You didn't respond to, to their text. Maybe your phone was off. Maybe it's not charged. Maybe you're disconnected. Maybe you haven't paid your bill. None of this crossed their mind. But they're offended. They're upset with you because you didn't respond and they don't know what's going on at the other end. Now this is something common that you're seeing more than ever today, especially in today's society. Everybody wants to fight over nothing. They just killed somebody not, not too long ago, a few months ago, over a chicken sandwich. Now what was the offense? That they were running out? That they cut them? What was the, the initial offense that drove someone to kill someone over a chicken sandwich? Because let me tell you something. I have tried them, and they're not that good. <laughs> yeah, I right. But not to die for. <laughs> I mean, for you to kill someone over a chicken sandwich? There's an evil spirit there. That's demonic. There's something going on over a chicken sandwich. Look at look at the whole picture. Someone lost their life 
over a chicken sandwich. They didn't lose their life over $10,000, You can't put a price, don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is that easily someone can take someone's life. The Bible, was, the Word of God wasn't wrong. Many will become, and because of that, now others are affected that their hearts are running cold. Now, take a look at this picture. Someone got killed over a chicken sandwich, right? The family's in mourning. Now their hearts are born cold, and they're getting upset with the chicken company that produced the chicken for many reasons, and all of these things are happening for more ways than one. And you say to yourself, well, what's going on? And all of that is because of the offense. Okay? Every time that you offend someone, they produce a seed, and that seed multiplies. Amen? So you will start hating others just because someone planted a seed in you of hate. Amen? <coughs> When we were growing up as kids, they used to say, stick with your kind, stick with your kind, stick with your kind. And when I became a young a, a man, I didn't want to stick with nobody but my kind, so I became prejudiced out of ignorance. And some of my best friends that God has given me through my life are not of my race. Ain't that something? But because of someone's corrupted seed implanted in me, I looked at life from that perspective view and I said to myself, I don't like that group of people, I'm going to stick with that group of people. You have to be careful what's being planted into you. And the reason for that is because everything that you hear may not be convenient for you. And nine out of ten times, someone who's saying something to you doesn't have your best interests. You know there's people that can talk you out of doing things that you don't want to do? I've seen that. I've seen people walk into people's houses and say, Oh, that couch is so ugly. The person who bought it now thinks that they're ugly, and they give it to the person that said it. But I thought you said the couch was ugly. No, I like it now. Why? Because that's deception. That's being deceived. And many people have given their blessings like that. Oh, wait, God has given them blessings, and they have fallen into the blessing. They have loved the blessing so much, they have lost sight of the giver that they give it to someone else. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? So we have to be careful. We have to keep that in mind. So what is another series of, of events that's going to be taking place? It says here in verse 7, it says famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. This is the beginning of sorrow, okay? But it also says, it also tells us that we are not to be troubled. That's your job. That's your responsibility. For you not to allow none of those things to trouble you. I work in a place where I could be exposed more than all of you to the coronavirus. I'm not going to disclose where I work because I don't want you to stop by my job so I can pray for y'all. Pray for my job. But every morning I walk in there, I plead the blood of Jesus. I use common sense, but God is before me. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? I plead the blood of Jesus. And I walk in there with the authority. And God leads my way. There's sometimes that God says, take a right, take a left. I'm so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that I'm able to move when people are ready to call for sneeze. But I'm telling you that I don't live in fear. Because if that's the way that God wants you to leave this earth, then so be it. Who am I to rewrite what God has already wrote? If your destiny was to fulfill something, and then died in a plane crash or in a car accident, God forbid, the Lord give, the Lord take away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord at all times. Amen. Amen. We just went through this miscarriage. My wife is just recovering from surgery. She lost one of her tubes. The Lord give. The Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'm, and I'm, I'm here. But you know that I'm not here right now. My heart is next to my wife. But I'm here. To teach you that all things are possible through Jesus Christ. He gives you the strength. That even in your day of trouble, your day will be lightened by His glory. So if you ever have an excuse to leave God, may this message and this preaching today convict you to the core. Because some of us give up on God easily just because we don't get what we want. I didn't get the red car, so God is a liar. I didn't pass the test, so God is a liar. I didn't get the job, God is a liar. Let me tell you something. When you give your life to God, it's under new management. It's under new management. It's not where you want to live, it's where God wants you to live. It's not the church that you want to attend to. It's the church that God wants you to attend to. It's not the wife that you want to have. It's the wife that God has for you. The husband he has for you. The kids that he wants you to have. Understand that. Stop fighting God. Let your will be done, God. I had the opportunity many times to become a boss and a manager where I currently work. And I said, no, if it's going to interfere with church, I don't want it. And let me tell you something. God has supplied all of my needs. All of my needs. I don't lack nothing. During these 72 hours, you should have seen the support of the church and the family. I'm all souped out. But I tell you, if I wasn't with God, you, you wouldn't see that. You want to see family members. Why is that happening? Making you feel worse. And instead I had a group of intercessors and people lift me up and encourage me to continue. And we complain that we don't catch a break. And let me tell you something. <coughs> don't underestimate your blessings. Maybe you're in a job that you don't like. But somebody wants that job. Someone's in need of that job. Maybe you don't like the house or neighborhood you live in, but somebody's in need. Somebody's living under a bridge wishing that they could just get a taste of this little corner of your house. I bless my house. Thank you, God, for this house. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the color of TV. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for clothes. Thank you for friends. Thank you for relationships. Thank you for water. Thank you for air. Thank you. Live a life. Completely surrendering in an attitude of gratitude. And I tell you this, when you have that mindset, God's blessings will just, it's like, like if Amazon, eBay, all of them had a contract with your house. And they have to stop there every day. Now I know some of you don't like that, so I may not experience that. But even when I'm expecting a package, I'm excited the night before. Something's coming in the mail. Imagine if that was your attitude in the spiritual realm. Something's coming from heaven. I'm in expectation. Something's coming. You know when you're ready to get a package?
package, you tell your neighbors, you know, if the truck passes by, call me or take the package and bring it to your house because you're so excited. I know some of the stuff that you're getting on the package, you shouldn't be getting because you're wasting your money. You don't need no more shoes. You don't need any more of this. You don't need another, you know. It's like my mom. I go to my mom's house and my mom likes to collect artwork. She likes to collect uh, all kinds of, of, of frames. So she has the whole house covered in picture frames, literally. So it bothered me at one point. I said, Mom, this, this is too much. Like, what more? You got Jesus, you got Mary, you got, you got the Father, you got the Holy Spirit, you got this, you got a picture of me, you got a picture of my brother, you got, you got flowers, you got, she got all of these things going around in the house. And you know what? I said, that's her. That's her. So now when I go over there, I say, oh, I'm going into the museum. So I have museum. But she could be critical of me if she was to come over my house. Oh, this house doesn't have a lot. It's so black. You get what I'm saying? But we learn how to respect each other. If you learn how to respect the way God uses other people, God can take you places that you never imagined. But if you continue to be prejudiced and sound mind to one thing, you're never going to go in a place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God is preparing us to bring the message. Our job is not to figure out when is hell and brimstone coming from heaven. Our job is to do what God has called us to do. I understand this is going on. I understand. I intercede and I pray. But nothing's going to change the plan of God. The Antichrist is coming. The I know you don't want to hear this message. But it's a reality. I mean, when you got a two-year boy in Australia that's born as a male, and the parents tell the doctors that they want a girl, they just rob that child. How much immorality? You know, it's one thing if you come to it as an adult, you want to make choices that you think are best. By all means, we all going to be judged for whatever. You get what I'm saying? But for you to take the right of a child, here in America, so many abortions. We're like the nation of abortions. Kids being aborted left and right. Let me tell you something. You know how many times I stand in front of an abortion clinic and I said, God, we have had, at the time, three miscarriages. Can I just have one of those babies? And look, people that can have children. And people that want children. Now, if I was to figure that out, I'll be lost. But I'm not going to question God. Everything is in. God knows all things. I, I don't know why that happens. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to leave him. Because I know for sure he ain't leaving me. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? So the word deception, the word deceive comes up three times as Jesus is speaking to his disciple weeks before his crucifixion. He says, do not be deceived. I want you when you leave this place today that you would not be deceived. That you are not easily, you know, I, I had the privilege to sit down with, with some attorneys here in, in the state of Massachusetts, some great attorneys. And, 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 and every time that I'm going to sit down with an attorney and we're ready to make a deal, transactional property, this and that, they, they, I, I always outdress myself. And they're there, you know, with their 
navy blue blazer, Tiger Master shirt, and these khaki pair of work pants with some penny loafers that need to be bought. And I'm walking in there like a million bucks. You see, when you get used to doing something, you start to compromise. But when you know what you're doing, you put value to it. So I remember when we went to when we went to close on the building here, the lawyer looked at me and he said, Wow, you, you really like to look over that paper. And I said, you, you don't skipping. I don't want to be deceived. You're telling me one thing. I know you're representing me, but I don't know what's going on. He goes, oh, you should have took this profession. I said, I'm not a great liar. That's <laughs> Pastor Millie. She was like, Pastor? <laughs> you know when your wife looks at you with that steak eye? Like, you ain't getting no food? Like, you ain't going to give you a lecture when you get home? Anyway. <laughs> he said to me, so now that you're going to close on this property, yeah. are you guys going to pay for this building? And I said, you're going to write a check. He said, oh, sure I will. Guess who signed the last check? Who had to sign the last check? I mean, it wasn't a check to clear the mortgage, but he had to sign a check. In order. You see, you have to speak faith into reality. You have to change the atmosphere. Because sometimes we're giving into so much, but we're not speaking into it, that we become immune and we become a part of something that shouldn't be a part of us. Now understand this, if you want to be deceived, by all means, but it's going to be at your expense. You don't want to be deceived. So you have to ask the Holy Spirit, guide me. Should, should I be buying this house? Should I be buying this house? Should I be coming into partnership with this person? Should I let this person sleep over my house? Oh, you want to talk about that? Should I be watching this movie? Should I be listening to this music? Oh, it, 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 Bad Bunny got some good songs. Bad Bunny got some good songs. But Bad Bunny's intent is not God's intent. Deception comes in all... Let's just leave it there. Because I know I'm offending somebody. I'm probably going to go and not stream that either. I mean, what good is it that I'm going to be hearing about somebody smacking their wife or smacking their girlfriend in the song and not think that I'm not going to act that out at home? If you get what I'm saying? Everything comes from a word. So Jesus says, do not be deceived. In other words, what comes into you will become you. So the less that you draw from God, the less you become part of Him. The less in touch you are. That's why a lot of people come to church and they're so in touch because they're not drawing from the same well that they're supposed to be drawing from. The well of the water of life, which is Jesus Christ. So they come so disentombed that it's so hard for the atmosphere to shift because they are having a bad day. Let me tell you something. Jesus on his worst day put a public display of shame crucified, said, let this not be hope against them. Jesus prayed for them while they were crucifying them. Now let me tell you something. I'll take a headache, I'll take a bad neighbor any day over 39 lashes, over a cross, 
over somebody getting my 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 coffee order wrong at Dunkin' Donuts. Some of y'all are busty and biting and what? Let me tell you something. What if that woman who's serving me that cup of coffee, maybe she's going through something, but she has to be at work because she has to support, but at the same time, her mother might have died? Her husband might have left with another woman or a man? I'm just, I'm just speaking the truth. Husband came out, next thing you know, she was like, where's my clothes? He took all her clothes and said, <laughs> <laughs> Give God a round of applause. <laughs> We're going to continue these teachings, amen? amen? How many of you enjoy yourself? Amen. You want me to stop or I'll continue? Okay, I'll give, you the la- I'll give you second to last, Amen. Jesus said in verse 13, But he who endures till the end will be saved. Now, just because you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, doesn't mean that you're always going to be saved. I know there's a lot of doctrine and a lot of manipulation out there. Can, they said once saved, always saved. No, that's not true. You are to check in with Jesus every day. Never pick up the mind, oh, pastor, pray for me, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ, God understands, now I'm going to go smoke a cigarette, now I'm going to go smoke crack, now I'm going to go to the crack house, now I'm, I'm just speaking the truth, now I'm going to, no, 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 because Jesus is going to save me. No, that drug overdose might take you to hell. No, every day you have to proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ over your life and don't take your salvation for granted. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus said that he who endorsed to the end will be saved. But I thought we were once saved. Why is he saying that? Because he understood, and he knew, because he's God, that people will use the word saved as a crutch. That's why he said, those who endure to the end shall be saved. Meaning that every day you have to take under submission, under surrender, and say to God, thank you for salvation because it was precious. And today I will value it, and every day I'm valuing it. I value my salvation every day. People ask me all the time. Even some people in power, they say, how'd you make it this far? I said, first of all, if you could buy me a cup of coffee... Maybe a ham sandwich, because I'm a sandwich. That's why I got this little thing over here. You know? I'm so loud, I'm the agua, I'm the mantequilla, salami, queso de papa, look at this. Potato. You know, and, and, and then they, they, they interview me, and, and I'm saying, the blood. If it wasn't for his precious salvation, I never undermine what God did for me. Never be ashamed of what God has done for you. That when people ask you, how'd you made it? How are you this person? God, 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 God. I, I would have lost it if it wasn't for God. I know God comes out of every other section, but it was God. I got this car because of God. I got this house because of God. I got this children because of God. I got this stuff because of God. I work here because of God. Try to get me to retire from work early. I knew it was a God's timing. The devil was alive. <laughs> My boss came up to me and said, "When you when you plan to retire, you plan to go." <laughs> Just like that, nonchalant. And I said, "God brought me here, and God will take me out of here." 
it. Yes. So if you want to talk to my balls, you better be ready. Because you might go in, but you might not come out. Because my God will smoke you and anybody else that tries to interfere with his will. Remember that. You know, and you, you laugh and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, no one to talk to. With respect. I respect my boss. I respect people in power, but I don't forget who I am. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you look like ashamed to say, oh, yeah, I go to that church. But thank God for Facebook because we take pictures and we vote. <laughs> so they go, Some of you right now, your neighbors is going through Facebook and they go on the website of the church. Like, she goes, he goes, I knew the devil attended church. It's a reality. Don't take your salvation for granted. You never know who's watching you. Now, I don't mean for you to carry that as a burden, but also keep in mind that there's people, you'd be surprised, I've gone places, and you know those rainy days, that are not really rainy days, but you grab a hat, and you grab a sweater that don't match, or got holes on it, you grab some jockey shorts, and you're on your way to the supermarket, and you're like, man, I hope I see you. And out of nowhere, like yesterday, I don't Yesterday wasn't my day. I had on my do rag. I was sweating my. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen that. <laughs> I got a haircut. There was hair, and I, I couldn't go home. I had to go to the grocery store to get my boobies some stuff. I was like, I'm gonna grab a do rag. I gotta find a hat. Come on, it's all over the place. And I'm picking these avocados and then avocado got my stooped over. Pass those. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I didn't say like most women say when they don't have makeup on. I don't have my face in that <laughs> I, 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 I had to switch it on. You know, I'm, not, I'm just gardening, picking stuff, you know. You know, because when you garden and pick a fruit, you don't want no bugs. Let's be on our feet, amen. Y'all know that about that. Thank you, Jesus.